We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast host gets bullied. More on this and on. This is the Arsenal Vision Euro 2020 Daily. My name is Elliot Smith, the Blackman Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Um, a small uh, mishap on the health front for Phil Costa means uh, he was not fit for this start. He will be fine. There's nothing major, but not fit for this start, which means we've had to pull in a backup. Now, I've literally spent an hour with this person already today talking about Arsenal. And if you missed it, we did a Lakanga and Tavares scouting video, joint scouting video, on the Patreon earlier today. And it's excellent, and I hope you will go sign up, and I hope you will listen to it and watch it. It's really good. You can watch the players. You can hear what Clive thinks about them. You can even hear what I think about them for what that's worth. You can come see us in Vegas and tell us what you think about things. August 20th to 22nd. Rooms at the Wynn, nearly, nearly gone, but you can stay wherever you want. But if you want to stay there, go book at footballfest2021.com and and register, and you get the discount for the Wynn room if you want to do that. We're all going to be there. It's going to be great. Lots and lots and lots of fun people there. But... Here's the deal. This is supposed to be Euro 2020 Daily, so we are going to talk about the Euro's quarterfinals, but I have been bullied into having to talk about the one topic that I can't get away from. I can't get away from it on the Discord, on Twitter, on the podcast, and now here, we're going to talk just briefly about William Saliba with Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, Clive. I'll see you about briefly. <laughs> Listen, mate, you owe me 25 good minutes on the Euros, but I'm going to let you start... With the William Saliba news, it does appear, and is it is it official? Is the news official? Because all I've heard so far is there's a rumor that we have uh, decided to loan him out again already. I think it's a joint decision between him Marseille, and... Marseille, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Marseille, between him and his team and the club. There was a meeting this week, and yeah, on a purely football front... Forget about the fact we spent 27 million quid how many years ago? Um, two years ago now, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first year we were alone, the second year was, well, two fractured years from a playing point of view, definitely. So I think it's it's a, it's a challenge because when you spend that sort of money on a player, as a fan, you just want to see him, desperately want to see him. And obviously there's something amiss there. We messed up the loan this year. And now they want to see him have a full 
season playing football for Marseille, who have qualified for Europe. So, on the, the first, my first gut feeling is well, actually there's a couple of things that broke today with the whole not going to the Olympics thing. I thought that was really positive. I thought, oh great, we'll get to see him in pre-season. <laughs> and then a few hours later, this happens. It looks as though maybe this is all part of the same meeting. You need a full pre-season, you need a full season playing for a team, potentially in Europe, and thirty, you know, 35 games minimum, that's what you need in the rough and tumble of the league, a team that's seen at the top of the league that's front-footed, etc. And I think my football side of me says, this makes a lot of sense. There is no point in a, a young player, a big young player as well, that needs to play, will not benefit sitting on his backside sitting there just to make us feel comfortable and we get glimpses of him when he may not be at the experience level and the competency level of the other centre-halves that we may have. And this is a real signpost to Ben White probably coming, by the way. If this happens, that means Ben White's on his way. And so for purely football side of things and development side of things, I get it. If you look at it in its, in, in its singular moment, what we decide to do this season, done early, no drama, it makes football sense but it doesn't take away the emotion how people feel about this player we're invested in we want to see him we want to see him play we want to see him play as a Gabriel some of us do but look, we did that scouting video didn't we the other week and if we're really honest by looking at the whole entirety of his game there's holes there agreed no, oh, yeah. I mean, I I was as honest as I could be on that, which is he looked rustier, not rustier, raw, more raw than I expected, especially footwork-wise defensively. Yeah, but it wasn't raw, oh my God, what have we done here? It was raw, you need more time. You need more time to learn outside of the goldfish bowl, which is <laughs> Arsenal Football Club, Premier League. I, I think it's really important he has that time to learn. I mean, most of us have watched his games on YouTube anyway. <laughs> so like, he needs this time to learn. He needs his time to polish up. He will not get that for us next year. And some people could say, well, why did he go to Newcastle alone so we can have a good look at him there? Well, I, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure. My personal opinion is just get him playing. Make sure that he can develop. It's, it's about him and his career, really. We have an investment in him. Get him playing football. I would like to see him sign a contract, if I'm honest with you. Mm. Because when he comes back next year, it'll be two years left. And suddenly I think the the dial turns to his strength, his favour. So I think if he was to sign an extension, then I think it shows that he's party to this decision. It's, it's a joint decision, even though that's what the that's what David Ornstein says. It's a joint decision, but it would really be a, something that's actioned. Or Arsenal may have an option in his original to do it anyway. But that's that will make me comfortable. So when he comes back, he's got three years to go. And then we we have to play him then. We have to do something. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm all right with it, even though I'm a little disappointed. But I'm, I'm actually quite pleased he's going to have a normal pre-season and not going to the Olympics and having a fractured pre-season, picking up injuries. We, that really can't happen. So um, disappointed and pleased at the same time, if that makes sense. There's a lot to pull apart here because there's a lot of factors. If he, if Saliba was as good and as big a prospect as the fee we paid for him suggested, nothing about how this has gone would make a lot of sense because a 30 million pound 18 year old isn't a guy who you think might be ready to play at 22. He's a guy you think is on the brink. The only reason you pay, think about it for a second. 
Why do you pay 30 million pounds for an 18-year-old? Because you think if you do that now, you're getting a star. And the only thing is, if you wait, he'll be a 60 million pound Van Dyke you can't get. He'll be at Real Madrid. He'll be at United. He'll be at City. So you go big at 18, loan him one season. You think he's on the verge of massive stardom. There's literally no other reason to pay 30 million pounds for an 18-year-old. None. So the first thing we have to acknowledge is the fee was a mistake. We screwed up. That's Raul. Maybe it benefited some agents. Maybe there was some murky nonsense going on there. We have to accept now that as good as Saliba might be, this was a mistake. Because, again, you don't pay that for an 18-year-old center back. Because the only thing that fee tells you is we're scared that one year later he's going to be too big for us. Well, that clearly hasn't happened. So it was a mistake. So that's part one. Part two, then, is can he be good enough for us? It doesn't, you know, maybe he was never worth that fee. Is he still a big talent? Well, everywhere he's been, everyone has said he looks really good. He, he looks like a leader. He's got the physique. He can pass. He can do it. He's going to get there. But maybe he's not there yet. So the question is, is he still a big talent? Well, yes, it does seem like most people think he is still a big talent. And also that maybe he is not ready right now. I think that if you could pick an outcome here, just pick it, it would probably be that Saliba is in the team this year and that maybe it's Rob Holding who gets moved on and that it's Gabriel Saliba and Marie who are in the group. Saliba has played on the left, not just on the right. Yeah. So, you know, he he has a shout to try to become the guy and Ben White becomes the anchor of the defense and Saliba can either be the left-sided partner for him at some times. He can play when White's not available. He can make his case. He can break through. He can play if we ever use a back three. That's not going to happen now. And, I think the fact that that's not going to happen now suggests to me that Mikel Arteta does not want this kid around. Now, that again, and again, it's I'm, I'm not saying Saliba's great and he should be at the club. I'm saying if Saliba was really good and on the brink and we thought he's a huge talent, you move on someone like Holding who isn't really going to make the level. He just isn't. He, he He's a nice guy to have around the club, but he's not going to make the level. You move him on. And you bring in this super talented kid you acquired expensively, and he goes and he battles for his Premier League future starting now. The fact that he's going and that we want this done early, Arteta doesn't want to look at him in preseason. Arteta doesn't want to get to know him better. He wants this done. He wants it off his plate means, I don't want the kid in the group. I don't want the kid around. He's not for me. And I'm not saying that to beat Arteta. And I'm not saying Arteta's wrong. But for me, Clive, for me, Clive, it's, it's, we overpaid for the player. He's probably still talented. He's not quite ready yet. And this coach does not want him in the group. That last bit has actually slapped me in the face. Actually, that's a really good point. Because development, my point stands around development. Still take a look at preseason. Take a look at at preseason. What if he wows you? What if you're like, gosh, I got to find a place for this guy. Yeah, well, just have a look at him. See how he goes in the group. Integrate him slightly. We may still do that. But you make a really good point. So why wouldn't you get him into the club, have him in the group, working with the players, let everyone know? It's a development. It's a free hit, it's right? He gets to know yeah. his teammates. He gets to know you. He's exactly. still going to go out on loan, but he become he feels like he's part of the club a little. He gets exactly. he gets into the group. Yeah, yeah exactly. And from a human point of view, that makes a lot of sense. So I take that point really, really well made. And so yeah, there's some again. It may, then now you got my conspiracy head on, right? Because now I'm thinking, well, there's something wrong then. I don't mean it deal. as a conspiracy, Clive, right? Like yeah. a coach can just decide this is someone I don't want in my group. And yeah. and it's it, it there's there's a thing there. Well, what is that, that it, based on? What is that based on? There's no disciplinary issue. There's nothing creeping out. 
So it, it, I don't think it's a human thing. You know, I don't think it's that. I, it, it, I just didn't He had think. this guy training with the reserves last season. There's something. I mean, and again, I could okay, be totally let me tell you off. I think, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I heard happen. There was a preseason game against, what was it? It was Brentford or Villa. And it was behind closed door at the Emirates. I can't remember which one, maybe both of them. And I did hear that his performance was really, really bad. Mm. Unprofessional bad. Yeah. That doesn't mean this sort of treatment is warranted. Right? It doesn't. For me, it doesn't. Player has bad game shock. Right? Do you know what I mean? Just just work. He's 18, 19. Just work with him. Well, let you me know? give you so, a counterpoint, too. I mean, the, the the Ornstein tweet says, for example, he's still on the long-term plan. Now, yeah. I mean, look, you have to write that, right? You, you have to because you spent $30 million on the kid. He's a big talent. You can't say, we don't want it. Look, you cannot tell the world our 30 million pound star talent center back is unwanted here and available on a song. That's what we did with Ganduzi, and we see the fees that are being offered for him. So maybe we're learning our lesson a bit. We're going to loan him out. We're going to keep him away where he can't wind up getting into, you know, a kerfuffle at the club, and we're going to protect the value and sell the player later because he is getting to a point contractually where we're going to have to make that decision next season anyway. Yeah, I said I don't think he will ever play for this club. The fact that he is not going to be even considered to be looked at in preseason doesn't change my mind on that. But again, I want to restate my initial points. We overpaid. He's not ready now. I think it is from watching him on that scouting video and really taking it on board. You know, could he be in the group? I think he could. Could he start next to Gabriel game one, you know, Brentford, Chelsea City? I don't. So it's not that I think the club is making a mistake per se in that alone might be the right move. I'd prefer holding goes and Saliba comes in, but the fact that he's not even going to get a preseason and this is getting sorted so quickly, I just, I struggle to see how that doesn't say we just, we just want to get this out of the way. Mike, just get, it, it, get it him out of the nice way. <laughs> for this player to come back early with, and start training with the group and just be part of the club, whether he goes on tour or not, you know, but just have a couple of weeks with the players. I mean, crikey, it's not the end of the world, is it? So it, it's a little bit concerning. But hey, decision made by looks yep. of it. And at least he's not sitting on his backside, decreasing in value. He'll be going to a more prominent club in France and, in, and hopefully holding his value. And we can have a real good look at him. This is no provincial club. This is Marseille. There is one other right? thing so, here. I, I hate to bring it up because it's, you know what, Clive? It's, you're right. It's, he's, going, he's going to a bigger experience. But if things go bad this season for Arsenal, and if Arteta doesn't stay, and I, I hope that's not, I look, I hope Arteta wins a title this season. I'm just saying, what this does is it says, we're going to keep Saliba away from Arteta. We're going to keep this thing apart. We're going to let Saliba continue his development. But if Arteta doesn't stick around, Saliba's still an Arsenal player. So it, it doesn't yeah. foreclose the possibility that he could have a future here because so, the one and two things are going to happen. Arteta's going to have a good season and we're not going to care about Saliba. Or Arteta's going to have a bad season and he's probably not going to be here and Saliba's going to get a shot. So one of two ways it's either going to work out fine, you know? Yeah, it's no drama, right? He's a, he's a hey look, Arteta rode out Meza Ozil, right? So if he can handle that with his 35 yeah. million followers, he can handle this. So we just got to go with it. At least he's our asset, and at least 
he's playing football rather than sitting on our bench making us feel comfortable. That's my feeling. And we can all YouTube him to death for the next yeah, year. But that's this will suck. become, this will be, <laughs> it's a bit sad, but if we get the right players in our defence, you know, I know what we're like as fans. We forget real quick. If get Matt the right White players comes in, the back in and line. is great and we have a good season, who cares about Saliba? Exactly. It, maybe it's a mistake. It, you know, it's not a fatal mistake. This isn't Bukayo Saka being frozen out, you know. So yeah. it, it'll be all right. The biggest mistake we could have made at this football club last season was he mentioned that he remember do you remember do you actually remember when Saka hadn't signed his contract? hmm I do. I mean I just I think leaving. back. Just think back now. If he was he due to go on a free this summer? I mean, just think back to the size of that mistake, what could have been. Well, let's wait and see what happens with Gabriel Martinelli then. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the next big one we got to integrate. All right, enough Arsenal talk on the Euro 2020 Daily. But I think, look, I'm kind of happy that we won't be having Because you know what would have sucked? William Saliba starts some meaningless game in Orlando, Florida, and looks really good. And, and Ben White signs the next day and everyone, you know, I, it's done now. It's just done. Uh, We can put it in a different mental space and revisit it at another time. So we're going to put Arsenal in different mental space. We're going to talk Euros real quick. uh, Italy, Belgium. I found this game totally absorbing. And I think it is a shame the way the tournament shaped out because you got a lot of talent on one side of the bracket and the other side of the bracket. It's not that you don't have a lot of talent, not to be dismissive of it, but the teams that you really want to see, you know, as a neutral, because that's what I am, progressing late in the tournament and, and facing off in semifinals and finals, had to face each other earlier on. I thought Italy, the ball movement is great. The pace of the tempo, the way they move the ball is brilliant. I thought Belgium had, you know, just moments of individual talent and near misses. Just an absorbing game. And I think the the downside of this is with Spinazzola pulling up with, with what looks like a pretty bad hamstring injury. No, it's an Achilles, actually, so he's oh, done for a worse. long time. Oh, my gosh. And this was supposed to be a summer time. to get a move to Barca or PSG, so yeah, that's a lot of done. money down the toilet for him, too, and that you have to feel yeah. for, for that player. That is really, really sad, and it's going to make Italy a, a bit of, of a less exciting proposition. But in terms of the way this game played out, um, I was just so, so impressed with the way Italy move the ball and support each other with runs. And, you know, their goals come from quick hits, quick movement of the ball back to front. They've been, they've been one of the, I think really exciting and fun surprises of the tournament for me. Yeah. This, this game was, I think the best game so far. I keep saying that, but it's the best game so far. I thought, obviously Italy got the two goals up. I thought on the second goal, that Insignia scored, I thought the three central defenders, Aldevarai, Bermarlin and, and Vertonghen, suddenly looked 106, literally. Mm. And they didn't come out and press him. And said, Their and combined ages probably are 106, by the way. I'm not even <laughs> yeah. kidding. I bet that's spot yeah, on. Yeah, probably about right. And they showed him a top corner and he took it. And I thought, oh man, come on. Just one of you step out. You're three defenders. You know, what you can afford to go and engage and smash people because the other one covers around. They all stood there resting and blowing out their backside. So he puts it top corner and you're thinking, this is over. And then they concede the penalty. And I'm thinking, oh, by the way, that kid on the left-hand side, Doku, I mean, crikey. How quick <laughs> is his acceleration? Mm. So is it Emmanuel Lane? He was saying he plays for Rennes and the Rennes chairman wants $100 million for him. I reckon that's a bargain. <laughs> I mean, crikey, he's 19. Talk about explode onto the scene. And when he jinked through and put that one over the top of the bar, that goes in, then he's going to Real Madrid, isn't he? I mean, it's literally, that's how your life can change. He looks sensational from an acceleration point of view. And I thought, after half time, I thought Belgium were going to come for him. 
Lukaku missed that chance on the back post. And Lukaku has this gene where sometimes when he misses a chance, he just loses his confidence. And you can almost see him just sort of slowly, slowly, slowly shrinking away. And it's like something he's always had. Top, top, top player. He's got this little confidence gene. You can see when he's on it and when it goes. And I thought Italy really controlled the territory really well and made De Bruyne travel big distances to, to get through. And I thought they were excellent tactically and really brave to keep playing in Belgium's half. And I thought that was quality because sometimes you judge, although you know me, I always judge a team in adversity and Belgium had the momentum when they, with the goal before halftime and they just boshed them, said, no, we're going to hold our shape, hold our position and we're going to play with you. You might get chances. We're going to really defend when we have to. And I thought it was an unbelievably technical and yet an unstructured game at the very same time. It was really good to watch, really good to watch. Yeah, um, I think De Bruyne had an interesting day, right? I mean, he had some of those moments that just flashed that incredible skill and obviously the the run and the cross that Lukaku, I mean, he does steer it on the goal and I guess, is it Spinatola who gets back to, yeah, to, did, yeah. to have the block off his thigh or right top of his knee, which is really good. That was but, a turning point, turning point right there. It was, yeah. And I'm, but, but De Bruyne also had weird moments, I think, where his touch was a little heavy running through midfield and he gave it away or didn't quite get the touch he wanted. Um, he's such a, such a special player. Was he maybe just 5% off the level we expect from him in terms of his close control with some of his runs? Yeah, I, I was to be honest. After the injury he got in the last game, I was surprised he played, and I was surprised he played that well. If I'm honest with you, because I doubt he would have trained in between games. Oh yeah, he's he, definitely he definitely carrying something, no doubt injected to with each of his life. So um, he he can't do any more. He's had a tough end of season. You know, he's won the league, but lost the Champions League final, lost his big game. He needs to get on the beach with factor fifty real quick, you know, and sit down and get his legs up, you know. So, because he's given a lot this year, and it hasn't all worked out for him, but he's been kicked around, and he's just great to watch. And we're so lucky we get to see him every week in the Premier League for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, th- I think the thing that's sad with this Belgium team, in a way, is there's a there's just so much talent that never all got to be at their best together at once in one tournament, I feel like. And, you know, in this tournament, certainly Eden Hazard, you know, well past his best, to be fair, and, and coming off a nothing season and, and really had a nothing tournament. Um, De Bruyne getting a bit injured. Lukaku, a really special player. Are you scared to see him potentially return to the Premier League? Well, whoever he goes, is going to be scary. I really like him, you know, He's although so good, I creep yeah. him a little bit. I, I just like I just like him. He's unique. Manchester United had him. And found a way to get rid of him. It doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. Uh, he probably needed to get away from Man United because I didn't think they appreciated him. But if he comes back, he comes back like a king. You know, wherever he comes back to. But I'm not sure there's room for anybody to buy him. If Man City buy him, which I would do rather than gain if I was them, well, we might as well just sit in our armchairs, right? And <laughs> and watch them go on. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, he's, a, he's a special player. Looking at Belgium, though, they are aging, Elliot. They are aging big time you know the back three is, is old you know um Witzel is getting on a little bit Mounier is not young Hazard's not young De Bruyne is okay he's he's still the king but he's 29 30 and I'm looking at their bench okay Doku today was fantastic but that's why he's not taking him anywhere Benteke's not taking him anywhere Dendonka's not taking him anywhere Dries Mertens okay so 
So I think, you know, players that we've got a player potentially coming to Arsenal need to get into that squad. I think how they build the next layer is going to be something to watch and to see what talent, you know, creeps into that team because they need a little bit of renewal for that, in that team for sure. I think there were questions about where Italy would get their goals from in this tournament. Insigne is certainly the hero in this one. Um, Immobile, you know, maybe maybe not quite so good. I think Spinazzola being lost hurts their attack. What do you think about Italy in terms of going forward now into the semifinal to face a Spain team that that is really effective in one direction and very vulnerable the other direction without Spinazzola and maybe with a bit of a question about who they want to use up front. I mean, do you think Italy, as good as they've been, still maybe have some questions about where they want to get their goals from? I think uh, Italy have been really efficient. In the moments where they've been on top, they've done something with those times. And they give you a sense of they play with a level of assurance. And they they have a, a level of assurance with their technique. So they do the right things in the right areas. Do you know what I mean? I, whenever I look at Italian football, I think you're so intelligent. You may not be always the fastest. You may not always be the youngest. But you just know what to do at every moment, every duel when someone puts their shoulder on you. You know how to buy the referee. You know, you just know what to do. They look so streetwise when they play football. When they kind of take their technique off a shot, it's the right technique. They don't choose the wrong technique. You know, they look like experienced young players. And I've always felt that about it. They, they hit the laces when they hit the laces. They put the cross in when they put the cross in. There's a level of technical efficiency to their game and gamesmanship and streetwiseness that makes you think they've come here and they expect, they expect to be here to the final. They really do. The goalkeeper is so impressive to me. It's, you know, he just gives off such a, an aura. But you've got the two old guys at the back, Bellucci and Cellini, you know, Cialini just protects that front post like his life depends on it. So nothing comes across the face of the goal. He stays tight when he needs to. If there's any sort of duel or contact that he's, he's second favourite to, he falls over, gets the foul. Benucci's clever in his movement. Lorenzo stays tight despite Doku killing him. He's still stuck in there and fought him. You know, Spinozola, we know about him. Georgina seemed to go, go through that game almost, almost silently. But he, we all know it doesn't work without him. You know, he's almost like Gilberto there, just there, moving the ball. Well, he's Shaka for them, right? I mean, that that is, <sighs> those players have always seemed similar to me, although Jorginho at a higher level. The thing that I think is interesting is Italy started this tournament without Verratti, and he's such a special player who maybe we don't appreciate as much because he's playing for PSG, who, you know, we kind of don't focus on them in the league. And in the Champions League, you probably don't even really notice them until the last couple of rounds. But he is a special player, and and the player that I guess you would say is keeping Locatelli out. Locatelli didn't get in this game. Yeah. Do you? I mean, do you have a huge appreciation for Verratti? He was key in one of the goals. I guess it was the first goal today, um, with his turnover and distribution. But he's keeping Locatelli out, and that's a big ask considering Locatelli's been really impressive. I think that's a big decision that's got to be made in the next game as well. Yeah, I think I must admit. In, like you know, like anybody, my eyes—I don't always connect to certain players. And I've always looked at Ray and thought, "You, you're okay," but it's like, why does everyone love you? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think you're okay. It's a bit like Paul Scholes. Why does everyone love? He's good. He's okay. Why does everyone think our oh, best player play with Paul Scholes? Nah, he's all right. Do you know what I mean? And I feel that Paul about Scholes is Verratti. really good at getting away with red card challenges without getting red carded. <laughs> That's a very important. <laughs> Any pundit speaking, oh, who's the best player? Oh, Paul Scholes. You know, Come on, man. He was all, he wasn't that great. So, um, and so that's my opinion. I'm going to get my mentions chewed. But, um, but, 
But variety, I think the same. I think, but I think maybe because you're right, Elliot, because he's at PSG, we don't appreciate him because he's star driven. He sits between Neymar and Mbappe and shuffles the ball to them and, 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 and underlaps them. Great. You know, but he's a nice technical player. I like Locatelli. You know, he's somebody that I think's very graceful, you know, very easy to see. Do you know what I mean? I can see him. So uh, my eyes connect to him a lot more. But um, yeah, he's a steady player. But I, I must admit, of the three, I think Barella looks more. A player that would suit the English league, quite punchy, quite up and down, really good in the box, almost like a bit more mobile Torreira in some ways, really punchy. I like his competitiveness. So um, so my eyes were more drawn towards Barella rather than it was Verratti on this occasion, but that's just me. That's just me. Are you, um, are you where you can look at your Skype chat? Yeah, why? I'll throw some, uh, I'll throw some quick, those ever popular FB ref green bars. I'll, th- I'll, oh, yeah. I'll throw some of those your way because this is Verratti. And uh, I know this is, is not a visual medium for those of you who are not watching, but uh, suffice it to lots say. Of, lots of green there. <laughs> yeah, expected assist, 91. Shot creating actions, 92. Passes attempted, 99. Progressive passes, 97. Progressive carries, 99. Is this dribbles, this game or just in general? This is him, the player, in general. It, in, oh, yeah. Well, this is his rank in the top five leagues over the last year as a midfielder and basically – everything you want a midfielder to do, he does in the oh, yeah. 97th to 99th percentile. So. He's a good player, but you've got to be honest, right? If you, if you no, see I, something. Yeah, if you don't see it, you don't see yeah, it. I, yeah. I, I see a player, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. But, I, you know, but he's also playing for PSG, right? I'm just Which telling you a, why he gets the hype from from some of the, uh, what's the word, uh, jackwads in the data community, I think is his. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Data. But, yeah, I look at him and I think, yeah, you're, you're a good player, but I don't, you know, I don't, put him on a pedestal like other people do. But hey, look, you're playing for PSG. Well, he's playing for PSG. When you're sliding the ball through to Mbappe and Neymar, it's easy to get the XA up, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But yeah. you know, he's a good player. He's a good player. Yeah. I know, I'm looking at Locatelli and I, and I find him more interesting. Yeah. I find his yeah. range more interesting. It's a big decision to I, f- I find his movement across the ground nice. I find his control really sort of intoxicating. So I'm looking at him and my eyes are interested by him. Ratty just has always been around a good player. You know, zipping the ball around, looking after it, turning out of danger. Yeah, well, I've seen that a million times. We had Sandy Cazorla for one time doing flat for ages. It said Fabregas doing that. I've seen that player a lot. That's of what times. he's doing. Then please give that to yeah. me because I want I've, more. I've of seen that, that player. Locatelli, I find more interesting because I haven't seen that type of player mm. for a long time. And I, you know, the way he moves, he's so graceful. I, I, I lo- he's an interesting profile of a player. So my eyes are looking at that. Well. I think the one thing that's going to be really interesting in Spain is if they try to go one for one, taking Spinazzola out and bringing in Emerson, Emerson cannot defend to save his life. And that would potentially be a very vulnerable area. I actually think Italy got lucky with Chadley being injured as quickly as he was because he is a more threatening player and Prate is a more functional player and really didn't do anything. And he's been injured himself. So when he came on, it was tough for him. That's a tough change. And so yeah, and Chadley real... gets injured after like right his first involvement being a very very dangerous move that nearly leads to. Yeah, a I don't know what he done, but if I'm his manager, I'm thinking, mate, did you not warm up correctly? Mm. This is quite important. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we'll see what happens. His injury could have been serious, so let's see what happens. Yeah, but... I, d- I don't. I don't think so. I think just overstretched. Yeah. Well, flipping but, back right. to England quickly, mm. oh, no. the strength of England is in the players who are not playing. That is the strength of England, and I think it's become more apparent. And this competition goes on. Well, I got the good ones news for you. Who are not that. playing are going to be absolutely key. And we've got a lot of strength. A lot now of strength. that um, 
now that Sancho's been signed by Manchester United, he's a Premier League player, so he can probably start against Ukraine. So, um, so let's move on quickly to uh, the other game, which was Spain and Switzerland. The Swiss go out heroically and yet not heroically based on that penalty shootout, which was pretty, pretty ugly. But somehow a Premier League referee gets his chance to stamp his his authority, his reputation on the tournament. Leave it to the Premier League referee to take a tournament that's had relatively little refereeing controversy and throw some on it in the quarterfinal stage. I don't think that's a red card. I guess I can see why he thinks it is, though, because the, the boots are sort of stacked and the, the studs are kind of showing, but really it's never a red card. It, it I think, made it hard for, for Switzerland. But the thing that really struck me about this game Spain were dominant early. They take the lead early. And then they just kind of seemed like they wanted to play with their food. I don't think they looked like they really knew how hard to go for it with the lead. And they just always look like they can be gotten at defensively. And what's crazy is how with a lead, how open they still seem and how vulnerable they seemed. I mean, comic defending that leads to the the thumb scoring the equalizer. The thumb is Shachiri, obviously. Uh, he looks like a thumb. So, I mean, is that the thing with Spain, really? Like, they can totally dominate a game. They they can have all the possession. But the times when they don't have the ball, they look like they could see it any time. They just seem pretty fragile. Yeah, they they where they've dropped off from years ago, when they used to lose the ball, then they get they got it back in five seconds. That's not the case anymore. They can get passed through. They can get switched on. Busquets is not as mobile as they used to be. I mean, Koke and Pedri, they're lovely on the ball, but they have to work very, very hard off the ball, and that's not where they want to be. Koke normally plays in a, in a inside, and he is playing on the slightly on the outside, so they they get worked a bit. When I look at when I look at Spain now, there was a period where they were almost inhumanly good. Now they just look human. They look human. They're still lacking that centre forward. You know, since they got away from um, Torres and David Villa, they haven't got that key guy. They they went for uh, what's our mate at Chelsea? I've got his name now. The crazy guy. Oh, I've got his name. What's his name? The centre forward at Chelsea that Costa. went from mm-hmm. Costa. Thank you. Um, they went for him. It never worked out. They still need that guy up front. Morata he flatters to deceive, and so they. Well, when I'm watching Spain, firstly I'm looking at it fair enough, and I'm looking at two centre backs. Because Laporte has, has come in, and it's not very often you see two left-footed centre-backs playing in the back with Pau Torres. And so we've, we've got a couple of left-footers in the back. So I've been looking at them to see how it works. And on the first goal, on the goal they can see there was a bit of a mix-up between between them. But it's, I think it sort of works. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it works. I don't, I don't look at it and think that looks crazy. They're both really good players, and that, that could be a centre-back partnership for, for years to come. So I've seen to have sorted that out. Jordi Alba's getting on a little bit now, so I just feel he was really good, though. I thought, yeah, he he know he knows the rules, doesn't he? He knows how to play, but I think I mean, they got this. Guy I know the Pedri, rules too, but I'm crap. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, again, your eyes go to Pedri, don't they? You know, and yeah. uh, I, I thought um, I thought it's very smart of the manager to take him off pre the penalties. I think it was really a key moment because you don't want an 18 year old to be saddled with that. You know, mm. you don't want that. You don't want that to. I mean, to be fair, he wrong, probably didn't need to make his. Switzerland scored one penalty. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, he could have gone out there and blasted in a rosette and they still go through 2-1 on penalties. It was abysmal. Yeah, yeah I think um, 
I think the player that missed for Switzerland was it Eric Garcia. I think it missed. I think that was his name. And he's he's only like nineteen, and and he's had he's got that to carry, right? So um, so I thought that was a very smart move by Spain to protect the player. He's got a career ahead of him, and so yeah, I thought um Spain did their work. So Spain and Italy to me look like two teams that look flawed in an exciting way. You know, they, they, they remind main... me of each other. I mean, both can control the, the, the ball a lot. Both have, you know, that, that passing game with good tempo. Both are probably missing the clear-cut goal scorer up front. The difference mm-hmm. is you got Benucci at the heart of the defense for Italy, Donnarumma at the back, and a, a defense that looks really solid. Now, with Spinazzola out, maybe not. And in Spain, you you have that similar quality up front, but it, it's the mullet. I mean, it's a party at the back. They, they got no yeah. idea what they're doing back there. Yeah, they've got Aspilicueta, they're running around at right back, and they're trying to find some experience. They're trying to defend as a unit, but really they end up defending as individuals. The goalkeeper is interesting as well. I quite like him, Unai Simon. Um, I know we were linked with him a while back, but he's had a couple of howlers, but, um, but there's something about him. I quite like his stature, but I, they don't quite convince like they used to. They don't quite convince like they used to. Sergio Italy, Ramos is, is hard to replace, it turns out. Yeah, that's a crowd. I'm not sure that was a good move to be honest. Um, but he got he got a ex Barcelona man not picking the Real Madrid players. Let's say good, no good more, luck. right? <laughs> <laughs> say no more. Um, I thought Switzerland showed the best of themselves. They missed Shaka badly, actually. They oh, missed course, that control. Course, yeah. They missed him, and, and Shaka is an annoying player, isn't he? Never seems to meet our expectation, but when he's not there. He's missed is, the guy is, that replaced him. Isn't it that space him. and time in the international game, though, that just suits him right down to the ground? He knows the game. He knows where to strut. He's always available for his mates, and he moves the ball quickly, and, and it gives him, he gives him confidence in possession. Whereas Zachariah, a great athlete, lots of pace and power, scored his own goal, never, never where he should be, not standing where he should be. Right, so because sometimes you find when players players have got lots of pace, they don't work so hard in their positional play because they know they can recover until you get burned by a Spain who passes you off the ground, right? So, so yeah, it's interesting to watch these teams. I, I, I'm, I don't know how you feel, but do you feel that some of these players look tired to you well, when you're watching them? They should. <laughs> they, they've had mm-hmm. one of the busiest seasons of all time in history with very little break, and now they're deep into a tournament. So, yeah, I mean, they all look tired. Yeah, not, not, such, not tired in a way where we're watching boring football, but tired in a way where... <laughs> almost like the games look these games are almost uncoached do you yeah. know what I mean they look like oh yeah sorry I'm just going for it man there's I, a lot I'm, of broken done. play in this tournament yeah there's yeah. there's a lot of, but I mean it's been what a what a fun tournament like I mean oh, after brilliant. a season of watching brilliant. I have to say pretty stale football at the at the club level like can you imagine ever saying thank god for an international tournament to liven up the football and remind me how fun it could be but that that's really what this has done because we also missed mo- you know fans for the majority of the season so now not only do we get fans in the stands for a football tournament we get a really lively exciting one with incredible storylines and that leads to the final point which is Obviously, England are making the final. God, I'm so sorry, everyone. But no, we don't know. Yeah, hang, too hang confident. On. Let's let's just assume they are because that never fails. If you had to pick between Italy and Spain, do you give Spain the edge as the one you'd want to face because defensively they're not as good, or or maybe not because in Italy we don't know what actually, they're going to look like. I actually would want to go for Italy with no Spinazzola because I, I yeah because I think in wide areas I don't think they're going to have as much. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
I just feel as though the the amount of games they're going to have to play, they've had a number of really emotional big games. Do you know what I mean? And I just think it's it's a chance for. I I, I fancy. I fancy it. They have no experience going far, right? This is a, this is a generation that didn't qualify for the last World Cup, whereas Spain still has players in it who have won a World Cup. So that is obviously a big difference, just in terms of big big tournament experience. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm, I can hear people say, "Well, Clive, now Italy are the favourites. You don't want to go for them. Go for Spain." To be honest, at the final level, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. But um, I think both teams, I think all the teams, are really starting to show frayed edges with injury and tiredness. And this is why I think England are in a really strong position. They play with a level of control. They play with a level of calm. I don't see any emotional trauma with them. In fact, if they get through this game at the on Saturday versus Ukraine, which I think has got danger signs written all over it due to complacency and half of England, well, not all of England, think we're in the final. That's never a good thing. And so, you know, I think it's going to be a tough day at the office for us. If you get through that, the way we approach games leaves a lot of emotional play in us. We have a big game in us. And also, in most of these games now, there's up to six substitutes. If England have to turn to six substitutes, we're bringing on really quality players. I think that's our trick. The trick is the players who are not playing, what they can do and what they want to do to join this party. I think that's going to be the differentiator. So um, I'm, I'm really pretty hopeful. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think we should leave it there. And I mean, this is really a bonus Euro Daily because you've got Saliba conversation at the front because it literally exists everywhere. So, so that stinks. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and um, and leave it there. And and we'll have more obviously uh, on a Euro Daily following the game tomorrow. Clive will be too intoxicated to join on that, but we'll get someone to do it. I wish you luck tomorrow, my friend. Man, I'm going out early, and I'm sorry. It's gonna be rough. Ignore all my tweets tomorrow. It's gonna be rough. If we win, oh, gonna be great. Gonna Super. be great. Super. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Hey, go to Patreon. Watch the Lacongas uh, uh, Tavares scouting video. It's a really good one. Clive did a great job. I think you really like it. But for now, we will say goodbye. And remember, as long as they're still in it, wherever you are and whoever you support, it's coming home. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 